0: Oscar Wilde fleeced at bunco. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Salt Lake Herald, December twenty seventh, eighteen eighty two. Oscar in a bunco game, New York twenty four. It is rumored tonight that Oscar Wilde was robbed by bunco steerers. Oscar denied the story. The story of Oscar Wilde being bunkoed was that a steerer had got his cheque for $1,000, and the fact that Paper Collar Joe, alias Hungry Joe, had been figuring in the police returns lately gave color to the story. Wilde was found at Delmonico's café smoking a cigarette, and, as the reporter tackled him, blew a cloud of smoke into the air which enveloped a young man with immaculate tie just in front of him. "'Mr. Wilde, is it not true you lost $1,000 in a bunco game?' asked the reporter. "'I have heard the report,' replied the poet. "'I received a note while at dinner today, asking me about it, and I sent a reply. "'Then I understand you deny the story?' "'It does not concern me enough to either deny or affirm it,' said Wilde in a soft, low voice. "'Not so,' he added with a smile, after a moment's thought. But that i should very much object indeed to losing a thousand dollars but i should object to having it known if i had done so the guileless smile of mr wilde indicated that paper-collar joe would have met a foeman worthy his steal the new york sun december twenty seventh eighteen eighty two mr wilde closes his bank account mr wilde visited the madison square bank yesterday and closed his account Preparatory for his departure for Europe today. He drew out some two thousand nine hundred dollars. A reporter of the Sun, who met him there, asked what foundation there was for the story that he had been swindled out of three thousand dollars by bunco men. He replied, It is one of the wonderful stories got up by you American reporters. You are really the most ingenious people in the world. I assure you there is nothing whatever in it, and I can't imagine how it started. The paying teller of the bank was asked if Mr. Wilde had stopped any large cheque there. He replied, I do not think it would be right for me to tell you. Mr. Wilde has done business here, and we are bound not to disclose his private affairs. President Crider said, I don't think there is anything in the story. Certainly no such cheque has been presented here, and I have not heard that Mr. Wilde had any cheque stopped. New York Times December 29th, 1882 Oscar Fleeced at Banco How Mr. Wilde learned the game from Mr. Drexel The Banco man identified as Hungry Joe Wilde's visit to Captain Williams Checks for $1,160 returned The story that Oscar Wilde fell an easy victim to Banco operators was truer than many stories which come to New York by way of the country. Captain Alexander S. Williams, of the Twenty-Ninth Precinct, to whom Mr. Wilde applied for advice and related his adventure, said last night that Mr. Wilde having left America, it would do him no harm to tell the facts which were bound to come out in time. It would also save him, Captain Williams, some annoyance, as a small million of persons had asked him about the story and had been given evasive explanations. Two weeks ago today, in the afternoon,' said the Captain, Oscar Wilde came to this station-house in a hack. He was ill at ease, and in a hurry, and told the sergeant he wanted to see the captain privately. Well, he came into my room, sat down on that lounge, shook back his hair, threw open his coat so as to show an expanse of white shirt-front, arranged his neatly cased legs to show their shape, stroked them with one hand, looked aesthetic, and said to me, You've had a long and various experience in police business, Captain Williams?" I replied that I had had a little experience during a long term of service. Then he continued, "'And I suppose you've seen and heard of people making fools of themselves?' I admitted that I had, and he said with an outburst of confidence, "'Well, I've been making a damned fool of myself!' Oh, he said damned, and with emphasis!" I asked him what was the trouble and he told me the old story of a banco swindle in which he figured. The story Mr. Wilde told Captain Williams is the stereotyped one. He was walking early in the afternoon in Fifth Avenue, near Fifteenth or Sixteenth Streets, when a well-dressed man, whose manners were far from common, accosted him by name, said he was Young Drexel, and that, although he had often seen Mr. Wilde at the firm's office downtown, he had never had the advantage of making his acquaintance. Mr. Wilde had had dealings with Drexel Morgan and Company, and believed the fellow. They had a pleasant chat of a few minutes over ordinary topics, and Mr. Wilde was about to leave, when his friend Mr. Drexel spoke of an odd occurrence that he ventured to say had never happened to Mr. Wilde. Mr. Wilde was disposed to hear about it, and Mr. Drexel informed him that a few days ago, to get rid of a fellow who importuned him, he bought a lottery ticket. He was convinced that the money was thrown away. In fact, it was his first venture in such a chance. But happening that morning to look over a list of the lucky numbers drawn in the lottery of which he had a ticket, he discovered that he had drawn a prize of five hundred dollars. Mr. Wilde thought this extremely odd, and when Mr. Drexel asked him to see him draw his money, and then accompany him to friends in Fifth Avenue, Mr. Wilde consented and went to a house on the east side of the city, perhaps in 15th Street. They entered a queer sort of office, in which were several very busy persons and a man who appeared to be a sort of cashier. He took Mr. Drexel's winning ticket, handed him what appeared to be five hundred dollars, and asked him what he proposed to do about the half ticket. This was the opening of the Banco game. Mr. Wilde was not able to remember all that passed. But he had a jumbled recollection that the half-ticket was a sort of bonus with the five hundred dollars, that it could be played off, with a chance of winning much money. That for the fun of it and the good of the house, Mr. Drexel played, that he was lucky and sure of winning a large sum, but that he had to make a show of a certain amount, and that the gambling infection seized on Mr. Wilde. First he lent Mr. Drexel his cheque for sixty dollars then one for a hundred dollars, and finally one for one thousand six hundred dollars. The cashier, as soon as the last cheque was placed with Mr. Drexel's pile, and the other cheques, made a drawing, and announced that Mr. Drexel had lost. The stakes were seized, and it was now time to get rid of Mr. Wilde. As is usual, a fuss was made by Mr. Drexel, who insisted that his friend Mr. Wilde should receive back his cheques. The keeper of the joint, as the cashier is called in Banco parlance, replied with asperity that the concern did not give back any checks, and that if Mr. Drexel had borrowed any money from Mr. Wilde to lose, Mr. Drexel was well able to pay Mr. Wilde. Mr. Drexel left the house with Mr. Wilde, conducted him a safe distance, and went away saying he was going to see about it. Then Mr. Wilde was convinced that he had been swindled by a trick just gotten up for countrymen and in time so perfected as to scoop in bunthorns. Mr. Wilde called a hack, told the driver to hurry to the Madison Square bank, stopped the checks, and called on Captain Williams. Mr. Wilde was looking at the rogues' gallery of the twenty-ninth precinct soon after he had told his story, and he picked out the portrait of John Jacob Astorhouse, or Hungry Joe, who had assumed the name of Drexel. A consultation followed. Captain Williams advised Mr. Wilde to follow the matter up and prosecute the swindler. Mr. Wilde could not make up his mind to do this. He was alarmed at the possibility of some enterprising lawyer suing for the amount of the checks, and terrified at the possibility of his adventure being made public. Captain Williams suggested that publicity could hardly harm Mr. Wilde, but he said he had been advertised enough, and he did not want the American public to know that he had been taken in by a shark. That night, Captain Williams hunted for John Jacob Asterhaus, intending to arrest him and arraign him before a magistrate, even if Mr. Wilde declined to prosecute him. But he was not to be found, and all the men suspected of being banco operators appeared to have left New York. Captain Williams put a man to watch Asterhouse's house, but he has not been seen in the city for two weeks. Last Monday week, an envelope addressed to Captain Williams at the 30th Street Station House, and mailed in New York, contained Mr. Wilde's three checks. Captain Williams telegraphed to Mr. Wilde at number 48 West 11th Street. Checks are in my possession. It took Mr. Wilde but a few minutes to go to the Station House, and he was delighted when he tore up the evidences of his gullibility. He thanked Captain Williams warmly. And appeared satisfied that the grave of his folly had been filled up, and that the public would not know of his adventure. End of Oscar Wilde Fleeced at Banco.